All right, this is Jared back again with Lefty's Precision Rifle Podcast. I have Chad on, and Chad and I are going to talk coyotes. So, Chad, what what you been up to? We were just out not too many days ago, but well, nothing much. I was actually. Um, it's funny that you planned this tonight because I was out feeding horses and getting stuff ready, and heard a couple coyotes howling. And I thought, hmm, might might have to sit out in the dark tonight. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we haven't tried that yet. We've been talking about it though. Is, I don't know if anybody's listening. Isn't in Kansas. They just opened it up to where we could hunt with thermals and night vision from January to end of March for a little trial period. We were talking about when we were out coyote hunting the other day because we're just we're day hunting, but they got a permit you got to buy, but it's only two bucks. I figured they'd be trying to make some money off of it, but we'll see. It's only three months worth, so. You and I both were talking about it. We hadn't bought night vision or thermal, just we're kind of holding out to instead of dropping the coin on that to see if they actually go with it or not or make it a year-round deal. But we both got our eye on some that we want. But. <laughs> so we, we'll get into it, trying just kind of let people know what's going on. So I had to look back at our pictures, and I'll post the pictures up on Facebook and Instagram. But the first time we went out was January 10th, so it was a little over a month ago. Mm-hmm. And I usually, I haven't done as much coyote hunting as I usually do. I've been a little busy. I got a side gig working at a little outdoor shop, trying to recoup some of the funds I've been spending on the, the hobbies. But so I haven't been out as much as I wanted to. But we got on January 10th. It's the first time you'd gone out to this place with me. The place we went is out in eastern Kansas. It's the place that I uh, deer hunt, private property. And basically trade the farmer working his cattle and his calves. He's a one-man show. He's had the the farm and his family for three or four generations. And it used to be his grandpa and his dad and his uncle all used to. Well, now it's only him. So my buddy and I go out there and trade working his calves for hunting private land. And it's, I think he's got a 1,000 or 1,200 acres that we hunt. So do that, go out and deer hunt it. And then after deer hunting's over, then I usually focus on the coyotes. So January 10th, we went out the first time, and uh, I'll let you get us started. So we'll start with gear. Basically, what were you what were you shooting that first time we went out? Um, I've been carrying a six Creed, um, six Creed more. It's um, just an origin action. It was actually my backup competition rifle. Um, I've turned it more into a hunting rifle. It sits in a MDT. Um, actually, I take that back. It's an XLR element chassis, um, 16 inch. Uh, it's a savage, it's a savage barrel. It, it wasn't fit to the origin. I just used the savage barrel since they have the savage threads <clears throat> with a seven twist, uh, topped. I actually do have my other Minox on it. Um, cause I'm a little spoiled by that. And then I run a, um, silencer co harvester suppressor on it yeah what to, to get a picture of your setup it's got a folding stock you just shove it in your backpack i'm kind of jealous when we get to <laughs> hiking in and out of these joints because you you got everything in your backpack um so let's see so i was shooting yeah you got a nice little short rifle suppressor the first time we went out i was shooting my six creed more that I actually picked a barrel up from you mm-hmm. a while back. Hell, I mean, it might even have been a year ago, but I picked it up from you. It's an eight twist, six mil barrel and six Creed. I'm shooting just the uh, Hornady Varmint Express 87 grain V Maxes. So I bought factory, I bought 100 rounds of factory ammo from Chris at Kansas Arm Supply. Just to get me started, is I, I got it set up kind of late. And it's the same thing, but it's a rimage barrel. So it's got a barrel nut on an impact, impact action. Um, I put it in a KRG Bravo. I got it's as budget built as I could get. I got that KRG Bravo on one of the President's Day or one of the sales, and it was it was left-handed, obviously, and a blemish. So I ended up getting for like just over 300 bucks, which is a pretty good deal, I thought. 
So it's in a KRG Bravo. Uh, one word of the wise, if you're going to get a KRG, at least KRG Bravo right or left-handed, and putting something in it with a trigger hanger, you're going to have to do some dremeling, some home gunsmithing to make it fit. So I had to do some cutting on it, which there was a guy on Sniper's Hide that had posted a little how-to that he had done it with a right-handed impact because the trigger hanger makes contact with the – oh, it's not bedded, but the aluminum – block so you have to cut that down a little bit you have to sand down some bolt heads on the trigger hanger and on the the uh, stock itself didn't take me long 30 minutes 45 minutes taking my time had it all in there and then i've got a vortex strike eagle for scope on it so i tried to make it as cheap as i could just to get it out and then i have a backup action if i ever need it i'm probably so that was my first setup. I didn't have it suppressed. I had a suppressor, but it's been sitting on my AR. So our first hunt out, January, you're shooting six Creed. I'm shooting six Creed. Um, I had to get off work. I don't get off work till seven. So I don't think we made it out there until even nine or nine thirty. Yeah. We were hunting by. So we we really didn't get a hunt when I like to, right at sun up and right at sundown. So we got started kind of late, but we figured we'd give it a shot. Um, our first set was kind of the first first thing you get in so the farmer's uh, property is cut right down the middle by a road he's got just about as many acres on the south side of the road as he does on the north side it was, so we kind of split it up it all depends on if you get in a north or a south wind we usually don't get a really don't get any east winds out there but sometimes we get some west so you can kind of hunt into the wind one way or the other i think this time we started out by the Call it the rock quarry. He's got a little rock quarry on the south side. Um, I've shot a couple of pairs off that spot, so it's always been a real hot spot. And we set up out there in our first stand and didn't see nothing, I don't think. No. We spooked two doe walking in, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's just off. We have a feeder. We set up – actually, we coyote hunted right around the feeder. It's kind of a flat spot and a little bit open. Everywhere that we hunted at, I think probably what was our longest rain both times, what was our longest, like maybe 300 yards was the longest yeah. shot we would have had. 200 or in, really, where we set up at. So it's not real open, a lot of cedars. And there's cattle. It's I mean, it's a cattle farm, so there's cattle around cedars. So first one was a, was a nothing. We went, there's a... He's got two chunks of property. We call it out east. It's about five miles from his house. Everything else is right around his house. So we went out east. And I was telling you that the only other time, at that time, I'd only hunted it once because he actually leases that out to some other folks. My buddy and I don't, don't hunt that one. We work, work cattle on it, but we don't get to hunt it. So we went out east, and the one chunk that we hunted first is like 300, 300 some odd acres. We just hunted basically the front half of it. I'd been out there once with one other buddy and I was telling you, we saw five or six coyotes kind of come in in a pack and two, 300 yards down the hill, there's this creek. And last time we had hunted, they come straight down the hill at us, got to the creek and then disappeared. And I ended up shooting one that come in from behind us actually with that buddy. So this time, I don't know, you want to lay it out for him this time? We hunted, we sat in basically the exact same spot as my buddy and I did last time. Yeah. And, um, well, you made that call, that first call, that group call, and it sounded like a fairly large group answered right back um, almost immediately, which was, which was surprising. It was nice. And uh, just like you said, they, they, one came in and another came in and, and we just started counting them and, and six total came in. But I think about the first three or four um, kind of ran through and they were trying to circle around in on that call to get to get wind of it. Um, we had two stop. I think they were both right at what, three, 340 or something. Yeah. <clears throat> we decided not to take that shot thinking they would cross the creek and uh they never did they sat there and howled back and barked back but never did cross that creek 
Yeah. So my my sequence on that one was, and I kind of stick to the same thing, but we'll get to it. I think we're going to change it up next time we go out. But so I do kind of like Randy Anderson. I I do some sort of locator or vocal, and if nothing answers up, then I go to a a, dis, a distress of some sort to try and get him food, and then I go to a pup distress at the end. But this one, it's a a locator call. So it sounds like a pack of coyotes just going off. And like you had said, you said you'd never heard them before. I've got them do it every once in a while, maybe once, once a trip. I hit that locator call and it wasn't, but what, 30 seconds. They located right back. Just a, imagine just a big pack of them, just all of them yipping and hollering and uh, sounding off. So really we knew it was on then. I, I knew that we were going to see something. And like you said, they kind of come in. They kind of come in like they were on a cow trail. They just one after another, kind of in a line. Yep. And uh, they stayed on that other side of the creek, kind of like they did the first time. I should have sort of learned after the first one, but and I think we did distress. Yeah, I did like a like a rabbit distress, and we didn't get nothing off that. And then I don't know what it is, but that that uh, pup distress, like a pup getting a coyote pup getting beat up or, or chewed on. And that old boy just come running stride. He, he crossed the Creek and come running right at us. So I'll let you, I'll let you take it from there. Cause you, you end up taking the shot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You told me to take the shot. Um, you let me know when you're ready and I'll stop him. And so I, I got on my rifle and was ready and you stopped him probably, Oh, what? 70, maybe 70 yards out. He wasn't, he wasn't far at all and stopped and uh i took the shot and dropped him um center punched him which was which was pretty good um he went down um, and then the cattle come in that was kind of the the more uh intriguing part to me is is the cattle came in right away right after i took that shot and surrounded him and one of the one of the mama cows i guess is what you'd call them uh, started kicking, started kicking it and bawling at it, huffing at it. She, she put a hurting on the, on the carcass there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never had them. I never had them do that. I've had, well, in fact, they did that to us. They, they'll come and they'll investigate. They get curious, you know, as the cows do. Yeah. And when we were sounding off that first time they come and we actually talked about getting up and shooing them, but since we already had those coyotes kind of working the Creek, we just left them alone and they, They'll come see what's going on and they'll see us and they kind of, they'll hang out, but then they don't pay much attention to us. But, but yeah, that was cool. I've never seen the, uh, yeah, big old heifer. I think she even had a calf. So I think she was being real protective, but yeah, she went down there and just, it was dead already, but she let him have it, stomped him a couple of times. And that was pretty yeah. cool to see. I wish I would have, wish I recorded that. But, so yeah, we had a, our second stand saw five or six, had got one down, which is the only one that really gave us a shot. Otherwise, we were taking the yeah, 300, 350 yard shots. And the, I mean, we were trying to get all those guys in. But so, yeah, I shot him, then went down and got him. And he was, he was pretty ugly. Oh, yeah. His, it, his mange was, was bad. I mean, it was 90% of him, which, which is amazing to see that they're that bad. But like you said, a lot of people, you know, you hear, 340 it's it's a shot we could take but we never did we wanted kind of a pair we were both ready to take a shot and could never get a pair out in the open it was always a single and we didn't want to take that shot on a single knowing there were six out there so we were kind of trying to be patient hoping hoping we could get at least one or two maybe even a triple to come in but just that one ended up committing but yeah but yeah that I don't know what it is. That pup distress seems – I need to stop playing it last, which is, I think, what we'll get to. But, man, when, if they're around and they hear that pup distress, I don't I don't think there's any I've had balk at that because they, they come charging in, and he definitely did. Yeah, I barked at him a couple times, stopped, and, yeah, he dropped him in his tracks. I think the only hair he had on him was a little bit on his neck. Yep. Otherwise, he's about – it's the first bald coyote I've seen. In fact, the first – mangy coyote that I've shot out there. All of them usually pretty fluffy, bring them back home with us and, and skin them out. But boy, that guy, 
he was pretty ugly. So got a couple pictures of him and took him off and got rid of him. So that was good. That was good. That was our second stand. Did all right. And then we stayed out east and went across the road. He's got another little smaller plot that I've seen a lot of deer on. And that's, we've seen tracks, but really never, I don't deer hunt it because that's another part that's leased. Um, he's got just a few cows. He puts his first year heifers on there. So he's got only 10 or 12 cows and five or six calves. So there's not very many over there. <clears throat> we didn't see any over there, I don't think. No, no, we didn't. didn't. Didn't see any over there. So we went another dry stand. Um, then we went back to the farmer's house and we went north. We stayed on the north side of the property because the wind was from the north. And it, it just works best if you're kind of going from where the wind's coming from. So we went north. Uh, and we got up, my buddy that's been deer hunting out there with me, he said he's been seeing coyotes almost every walk into a stand. We've got a couple stands out there north of their house, farmer's house. He said he's seen them out around the pond just about every time he walked in or walked out. So we went up, kind of set up over the top of the pond, called, like I said, did my usual call sequence. We got 15, 20 minutes in. And uh, both of us kind of at the same time kind of looked back behind us and to the east. And lo and behold, there's a coyote sitting there. I don't think he had us pegged. I think he obviously had the sound pegged. I don't even think you could see the decoys. I run a decoy along with my call. I got turned around on him, was shooting through a tree. And then you try turning around on him. I think he ended up busting us and took off. So we didn't get a shot at him. So at least I don't think we really educated him. I think. He knew something was up, and he didn't take off in a hurry. He just kind of ducked over the hill. If I didn't have a tree in the way, I would have taken a shot at him. So I was kind of, kind of upset about that one. That one got away from us. Um, so we at, least, we at least saw one on our next stand. And then I did we didn't miss a stand. We did two before we went out east. Anyway, yep. we didn't see any at either spot there. So then we set up one more time as we were trying to get back. We weren't trying to hunt all day and we weren't even going to hunt the south side because the wind literally wasn't right. We set up one more time, just a little bit west of where we saw that one that tried backdooring us, didn't get a shot at. So it's another one pulled in, kind of actually parked the truck on top of the hill. It's a little different than what I usually do. Parked the truck kind of back on top of the hill and walked down over the corner or over the I don't know what you'd call it. Some a goalie or a creek. It didn't really have any water yeah. in it, but just in a deep spot. And this whole time we've been, well, other than out east, we usually hunt because the, the grass isn't really too low. It's two or three foot tall. So you could lose a coyote in it coming in. It's happened to me a couple of times. So we've been hunting off tripods almost the whole time. So we get the tripods, we back up into a cedar have the wind in our face, put the call out. And uh, <laughs> I'll let you, I'll go ahead and let you tell this story too. <laughs> well, yeah, we were standing a little grove of trees to kind of break up our pattern. And uh, I, I thought I heard something on my left and I, I thought maybe the cattle were coming up because it, it really wasn't being quiet. Um, and I looked to my left and I didn't, Luckily, I didn't move my whole body or anything. I just turned my head. And the same time I turned my head, the coyote that had snuck up behind us that was about five feet from me turned his head and saw me and uh, really never did spook. Um, he got nervous and, and took an immediate left turn and, and started to go away from us. But he, he picked a cow path and went in a straight line and um, I reached up, spun my rifle and I got on my scope and pulled the trigger and my gun was on safe and I fumbled with it a little bit and got it off safe. And all I could see was practically the top of his ears as he was trying to slide down the backside of that little hill. And, uh, I sent it and nothing, 
so uh, Jared grabbed his rifle and tripod. I kind of just took off without mine to go run over the top of the hill. And Jared was following me with his rifle uh, just in case. And I, I crested that hill and it was laying there and I caught it. I caught it right in the back of the noggin. So. Yeah, it had been comical because, yeah, I, I left my <laughs> rifle in the tripod. I'm carrying this big old tripod. It hadn't been funny to see. But, yeah, you because where we're hunting at it is Kansas but it's rolling hills. So it doesn't take long before they get behind a hill and they're gone. And I think that's what this guy was trying to do. He's just, he's just trotting off a little bit. You got him, I think at the last instant you could get him before he disappeared over the, that little rolling hill. And yeah, so that, that one wasn't really a real pretty one to take a picture of, but you, you got him. Well, I think we end up trying to call some more, but we had hooked yeah. and hollered, hollered enough that, I can't even remember what sound I was making on that one because it it surprised yeah, we, us not out of both of us. Yeah, we hadn't got to the pup distress on that one. I think you were just you were running a rabbit at that one. And I mean it was it was solo, came in solo, and it was it wasn't moving fast or nothing. It was just walking. So yeah, yeah. And he, that was another one that that back door. So I, I expected them coming from the north, north property from where I have permission is really wooded and no cows. So I was expecting them to come off there and that's where we usually hear them. And they come over onto the farm that we hunt to roam around and, and do some mouse and stuff like that. So I was expecting them to come from the North and yeah, he come behind the tree that we were backed up into. <laughs> and I saw him as soon as you saw him and it was on after that. I mean, yeah, he's, he was five, five to 10 feet from you. So that was, that got the blood pumping a little bit. <laughs> so we ended up getting that dude. And uh, I think we called it quits. I think that was our last stand. Yeah, that was the last stand. It was, it was starting to get late. So, yeah. So we, we finished off on a, on a good note there. Ended up taking two on that trip. Saw, I think we counted what, eight or something like that. Eight total, yeah. And end up taking two. So numbers weren't real good, but we took everything we shot at, or you shot at, you know, taking actually, you took all the all shots. Because at the time I was shooting that sixth creed and it wasn't suppressed. And I really didn't want to shoot any more than I had to. And I like just running the call and kind of seeing how they're going to act anyway. So you took two two shots and we had had two down, got some pictures. And that one, that one I think he, he didn't have any mains, I don't think. No, he was but, he was floppy. He was good looking. Yeah, he was. His noggin was kind of destroyed, but got one down. Save some fawns and same save some calves. In fact, I don't think I I end up showing you. I talked to some of the guys that work. The farmers actually he he had told me get off subject a little bit. He had told me before those coyotes will come up and get hold of those calves' tails or cows' tails and pop those cow the tails right off. Mm -hmm. and I had never seen it in fact when we're working calves that's about the only way we can get them into the chute sometimes we take their kale, tail and kind of wrap it up over their back and you can pull them and it kind of coax them in there a little bit and sometimes some of the big old calves we get to wrench them on their tail get them up in there and they get in there we give them their shots and do what we got to do and let them go well he's got a full grown heifer over there that has like a quarter of a tail that as a full grown cow Something got a hold of it, which I have to think it was a coyote or a pack of coyotes and popped that tail right off. So can't imagine the force they've got to use to get that thing off there. So yeah, we saved a couple of calves, saved a couple of fawns on that trip. So it turned out pretty good. So that was January. Uh, we learned a little bit like that, that spot out East. We had learned, as I told you about the trip prior to where they stayed on that other side of the Creek, that yep. South side. So we talked about it on the way home, you know, kind of like you do after a competition, like what could I have done better? What could I have done different? Because when I was out there with my, my buddy the first time where we were looking south, the creek runs east and west, so it's kind of a barrier. And the five or six coyotes then come straight from the south, came straight downhill, the creek is in the bottom, and then they took off east into some trees and we never saw them again. And we ended up shooting one there. And like I said, it come from behind us. 
when you and I were out there, five or six coyotes sound off, but they came from the west on the south side of the creek, followed the creek, went to the east, same trees, and just kind of disappeared other than the one that came over. So we got to talking. Like we, we've got to sneak in there and get on that south side of that creek and set up. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so we went out last weekend. What was it, Sunday? I think we went out Sunday. And we just went straight out there. I was like, well, I've seen enough coyotes out there. We aren't going to mess around with anything else first. We're going to go straight out to the east side <clears throat> and set up and do our thing. And now we're, you know, we're well into to breeding season now. So I figured they're going to be paired up. I didn't, I was hoping we were going to see some big groups. I figured we probably wouldn't just because they'll be split up. So we go out east, set up the truck up top of the hill behind some trees like we usually do. Walk down there. It was three or 400 yard walk to get down the hill and across the creek. I'd never been across the creek right there. Um, I've been on that back side of the property checking for cows and checking fence. But you got to go through some holes that are big enough to swallow a truck. So I didn't want to take my truck down there and spend the day trying to get out of the creek crossings. So we just walked down there, got across there, find a, found a decent spot to set up, I think. And uh, set the call out there. I knew they are probably going to – I figured they are probably going to be close. So I, I started off with that exact same locator, that group locator. And did it pretty quiet, a lot quieter than I usually, than I usually do. And shoot, it was how long into it? It played once, and it's only like a ten or a fifteen minute, or ten or a fifteen second sound. And it was what, like a minute, minute and a half, probably. I didn't look yeah. at my. I got a timer on my, on my call remote that I use. I reset once we get started, so I can kind of tell what time they come in. But it's a minute and a half, two minutes come in, and you're. We got to set up pretty well. Do you, well, do you you always set up on my left because you're right-handed can swing off to the left easier. I set up on the right, but I, I'm left-handed can swing to the right easier. And uh, we had two that come in from the left, so come in from your side halfway up the hill, about a minute and a half, minute minute and a half into the call. And we we talked even the first time we talked about one, we're going to try and one two three them. You take one, I'll take the other. We'll figure that out. One, two, three, shoot, and see if we can't knock down a double up here. And they come in on that left side, and they never really stopped. I think mine stopped. I was going to shoot the one on the right. Yep. Mine has stopped, and then yours was behind a tree or behind the bushes. And then yours stopped, and mine kind of got down into a different creek or a different deep spot, and I couldn't see it. And then I – I thought they had spooked. They kind of started running back to the south away from us. And uh, I think I changed up to distress. And they come back down the hill. You end up seeing them. You end up finding them coming back down the hill five or six minutes into it now. And there was one come charging in. And this, well, this time I'm shooting my AR. So I'm shooting suppressed. Get, get into that. So I'm shooting suppressed. So we're both shooting suppressed. You're shooting the same gun. I'm shooting my AR and 223 suppressed. I haven't had it out since last year. So you can tell the excuses are coming. So you can kind of tell what's coming. <laughs> I hadn't had it out since last year because I've been shooting at sixth grade and I love it. And uh, we got one that charges in and charges right down to the call, probably 20, 30 yards from the call stops centers up you tell me to go ahead and shoot it you're on the other one which is still a couple hundred yards out i center up on it pull the trigger and a big air ball and i shoot a couple times while it's running but i didn't connect either so i miss first time shooting with you out there and i miss, and you actually shot the one running and put it just over the top of the head so then, of course, I'm feeling all dejected <laughs> and upset because I haven't I, – I don't know. That thing was 100 to 150 yards away. I mean, it wasn't nothing but a chip shot. Definitely didn't expect to, to miss. When I saw that thing running after that, I was like, oh, man, this ain't good. So that was our first stand. I miss. You end up 
taking a low percentage because that thing was running hard. I shoot a couple times while it's running. We go look, nothing, no blood, nothing. So now I'm getting upset. I'm starting to wonder what the what's going on. Is the gun off? It hasn't been even out of the safe for a year since I took it out coyote hunting last time. Uh, all upset. We only saw those two. So this is a spot that I've seen five or six a couple times. We only saw those two. First set of the day. And yeah, I missed. So upset. You're trying to talk me up. Yeah, we'll see more. We'll see more. Like, yeah. Anyway, you know how it goes if you've been out cow hunting, you miss one, especially a chip shot. So we go over on the north side again. Nothing. Again, so I don't know what's going on on that, that spot. I haven't ever seen a coyote over there, but see the tracks and everything else. We saw tracks while we were walking in. Yeah, we did see tracks. That's that's surprising because it's it's laid out. It's laid out where you would think they would funnel down through there pretty good on a on a hunt path, but yeah, we we haven't seen anything down in there. So struck out on that one. Then so this time the wind is kind of out of the southwest. So we hunt the south side of the property. And all of all the spots that we hunted, I've seen coyotes, either deer hunting or coyote hunting. So we make three sets on that south side and nothing. So it is four sets total. So the first one we saw the two, I miss, make four more sets and don't see nothing. Not even, I mean, we didn't spook any walking in, like nothing else. So now I'm really starting to get upset because I missed that, I missed that coyote. So this time we're talking, all right, we'll try one more. We ended up stopping and talking to the farmer for a little while. He just got in from feeding. And it was, I think it was one or two o'clock in the afternoon. We sat on the tailgate and ate lunch after one of them on the south side. Went over on the north side, talked to the farmer, told him, yeah, we'll go up here behind the house. So the same spot that we had the one sneak in on us the month before, but this time we're going to set up back in the hayfield, so a lot further south. So they really couldn't couldn't backdoor us on this one. And set up out in the hayfield, and there's nothing but pasture around it. And we kind of we back up in the tree and run the same thing. I didn't run the locator this time because it's kind of midday. So I've in breeding season, I was running some uh, female invitational, and in fact, I got some Tony Tebby calls one of them's one nine hundred coyote so obviously you're old school you remember the one nine hundred numbers it's kind of like a breeding coyote wimp you got whimpers and howls and and some uh, some growls and stuff like a breeding coyote so run some of that didn't see nothing run some distressed try and get some feeding in didn't see nothing and now you've been out hunting with me enough to where you hear the coyote or the uh, pup distress and you obviously, I think you obviously know that we're getting to the end. We'll give it five or six minutes and see what happens. We had laid it out and we were talking like you kind of knew too that we ranged it when we set up. And I go, oh, there's an opening here that they'll probably show. If they show up, they'll show up through this opening. They'll show up through that opening or they'll show up through this opening, which is the closest one to the call. And that's probably where, you know, one of those three, they're going to, they're going to see it. In fact, you got, you got on one is an armadillo crossing way out there on that first one. We thought, yeah, where they could be crossing through. So something moving until you got on your scope and you could see it. So we're 15 minutes in, I think. And I, I hit that pup distress. I don't know what it is about. It. I don't know if it's the call or just the pup distress itself. But usually it's another Tony Tebby sound that I, I use. And lo and behold, we got two of them coming. I see them come around the, Cedars, that's kind of my like my area that I was watching. And they they come around this cedar through the thick stuff, and I, I give you a heads up somehow that we had some coming. I had two of them coming. They were coming in pretty hard. Actually, I, I had turned to you to say, I think we're done. And about the time I turned towards you, you pointed and uh, didn't say anything. You just pointed, and I turned and saw them when you pointed in that direction, so – yeah, so we had had two coming in, charging pretty hard, and it this spot's kind of hard because 
I, I always put my call on a tripod because if I don't, and it's a cut hay field. I mean, the, the field, I mean, it hasn't been growing, so it's only two or three inches tall. But I usually, I put my call on the ground before and I have a Fox Pro. It's an old school Fox Pro, like CS24. And I put a decoy off to the side that I can run on the auxiliary button. Well, if I put that on the ground, my range is cut down to like 50 yards or less. So I put it up on a tripod, which is only about two feet off the ground. But you see this tripod sitting out in the middle of a hay field. There's no cover for it. I didn't think it was going to work that well. And we have them, they, they cut through the fence, through the pasture fence. And now they're like, what, 75 yards away or something yeah. from us, only like 20 20 yards from the call. And we're like, all right, this is our shot. And it, they come, actually, one of us asked who's shooting what. You said you're going to shoot the one on the left. They come through the fence right behind each other. The one on the left switches to the one on the right. But I stay on the one on the right one. I was like, oh, I hope he's just staying on the one on the left. And uh, I don't know if you realized it. One of them was barking on the way in. And I was barking back at him to try and get him to stop. Yeah. And I don't know which one was barking, but I'm barking at him. <clears throat> and I got that. I got a Argos on on that AR that I was shooting. And I didn't realize it. I've been kind of spoiled on the optics. But I couldn't see yours. They were close. They were close enough. And then shoot, we end up dropping them 10 or 15 yards from each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I couldn't see yours. So I was just watching mine. Of course, I get tunnel vision and one of them's barking. I can hear him barking. I'm barking back at him to try and get him to at least stop. They're put coming in pretty hard. I can't see yours. And I just start counting because mine finally stopped. I was hoping <laughs> yours was stopped and I just start counting. And on three, I hear your gun go off. I go off right after it. And I hear two thuds. It's like, Oh snap. So I get up out of the scope and I see him. And I think we were both doing the, hollering and doing the dance then because it was pretty sad. We were, I think we were 20 minutes in by then. So usually longer than most people will sit. But, but yeah, we won two, three them. And that was first time I've ever done that. I shot one double on my own. First time I've ever won two, three them with anybody. And, and we got it done. So that was, that was cool. And let alone is out in the open. Um, I don't know. They, I don't think they were sticking around for long after that because they could see the tripod. They could see the call. In fact, I used, I left my bag out there underneath the call. Yeah. So it was. Oh, they were looking straight at us too. The one I dropped was looking straight at us so that they had picked up almost everything. They weren't going to be there long. Yeah. So it's pumped. Of course we got out there and hooping and hollering and high-fiving. So <clears throat> that was pretty good. We, we dropped two. Like I said, we did the one, two, three, never, never done that before. We had talked about it both times going out. So plan definitely come together. Um, and by that time it was two o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday. We had, I just got off work. So I hadn't seen the family. You're trying to get back to see the wife. So we're like, all right, calling it. Ended it on a double. We didn't even hunt anymore on the North side. Yeah. It was kind of wrong for it anyway. Um, went back and talked to the farmer. In fact, I told him when we, when we left the first time, like, Oh, if we're back in 20 or 30 minutes, we'll give this one a shot. If we don't kill any, we're, we're calling it a day. And we were back in 20 or 30 minutes and he asked us, yep, we had two of them. And in fact, these two, so we were talking about that too, because it, it surprised us because they were both, both uh, female, both females and come in as a pair in breeding season. So that surprised us. And uh, they were a little bit manged up, not as bad as the prior one, but they had about half there first. So and just the, the couple of weeks before, well, the week before, like we had some highs in the negative 10s, negative 15s were the highs for the day. Yeah. So, so these, these coyotes making it through that, I mean, it kind of tells you how hardy of an animal they are and how, how they can get through it because they, uh, they weren't as bad as that first one we shot that first week, but they had about half their their fur left on their hide. 
and they come in ready to ready to get after it, ready to fight, see what was going on with the pups. I don't know if you checked your, I checked mine and uh, it wasn't bleeding like you usually see for a canine um, breeding season. So I don't yeah, know if they were, if they were done or just weren't in heat or already been through heat or what, but I know there's some folks around this area that have been posting pictures of trail cams out still and have posted pictures of coyotes locked up like, a, like canines will when they breed. So I don't know what, what was going on with them out there? I didn't. I didn't even think to ask you about yours. Well, I know we both checked to see if they're male or female, but we got some pictures kind of set up. Uh, what we are shooting in the tripods. So I'll post. I'll post those pictures up so you can kind of see what we are shooting. But we called it called it a day on that one. So what do you what do you think? What are the what are the lessons learned after this second trip out? I think we'll probably make one more trip out. I think while it's still cool. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd let me know. I'd love to go again. Um, my my lesson learned is uh, you you didn't finish your story on that pair. I I always tend to check where I hit a coyote, make sure I hit where I was aiming. And uh, Jared, you know, I looked at mine. I I center punched it, and uh, Jared looks and he goes, "I said, looks like I said, did you aim at its neck?" And he goes, "No, I aimed dead center." And about that time, he there was a long pause and he looks at me and he kind of grins and he goes, you know, I, I haven't shot that rifle in so long. I, I can't remember. I may have that zeroed at 200. <laughs> yeah. I forgot all about that. Yeah. That, that's what made me realize because yeah, it was shoot two to three. I mean, even more than that, three or four inches higher than what I was aiming. Yeah. And now that I think back about it because I was, I had the suppressor on the suppressor never come off that gun since I've been shooting coyotes. And out of bills, it's 200 yards. The farmers, it's 200 yards or less usually. So I just had it at 200 yards and held under if I needed. And, uh, yeah, that's what made me realize it was like, oh, man, I about missed another one. <laughs> it it was off to the left just a little bit about. I don't think that one was going to get away. But then I get to thinking back, and even on the running shots, I was leading it a mil to two mil, and it was 100 yards or less. So I should have been on. But yeah, I think I was probably just shooting over its back the whole time when they're running. I don't know about the stand. I still should at least neck shot it. I was trying to center punch that one too. But yeah, that's what made me realize. And then, of course, in our uh, a chat, I hear a couple of times now to make sure I know where my, my gun zeroed. <laughs> because today, in fact, now we're on zero in guns. Today was nice enough. I'm gonna shoot here in Kansas. I think did it hit 70? Uh no, it didn't hit 70, but it got it got mid 60s, I think. Yeah, it was it was 66, 67 at least. Mm -hmm. Um I ran out, so I was working my my part-time gig and I cut out of there a little early and ran out to the range. So I zeroed the six creed, which that six creed I was using the first time. So it's got an eight twist barrel, which I really like for those 87 grain V-Maxes. But it's a 26 inch. And I put my suppressor on it, which is an AAC um, SDN6 whatever. But it's a steel can. So this thing is front heavy as can be. <laughs> it was actually kind of hard to just to zero this thing. So once I put it in my tripod and clamp, I was usually clamping them right, you know, kind of back around the magazine well on that AR or my competition gun I do. It's balanced pretty well. This thing's going to be way out front because it is front end heavy. But I got a zeroed, confirmed dope out to 600 with it. And I'm going to make, on my AR, I've got a little cheat sheet on my cheek piece for uh, every 100 yards. I've got the dope. And then I've got a 10 mile an hour crosswind, which Kansas, you're at least usually dealing with a 10 mile an hour crosswind of some sort. And then obviously you can cut it down from full value. But so I've got my dope. I'm going to do the same thing for that uh, six creed and laminate and duct tape or and tape a little cheat sheet, Excel spreadsheet that I that I made up for the AR on the six creed. Got the dope confirmed all the way up to 600. And uh, that's it. Zeroed at 100 yards. So I, I've got it now. 
<laughs> and it's suppressed. It's man, I everything I I hunt with at least for rifles. I we've talked about this before. But you and I both majority hunt with bow, but rifle. If I hunt with anything with a rifle, it's suppressed. I like not having to wear the ear pro. Ears aren't ringing, and uh, suppressor is just going to stick on the six creed now. So we can go out there and talk back and forth. That's that was a nice part about taking the AR. We didn't have to worry about putting ear pro on. Can talk without yelling and hear each other. Because we don't we don't set up far from each other. I think the furthest we set up was one of those south stands, maybe ten yards from each other. If that, yeah. when we got back behind that house and the half hedgerow, but <clears throat> I don't know. Suppressor is the way to go if if anybody's listening and balking at trying to get a suppressor they're easy to get it's the wait time it's hard but definitely get you a suppressor to hunt with it's nice and, uh, what else what other learn learn lessons we learned from this second trip out you think um, wind was good we had a west wind which works out good for both sides yeah that was that was nice west wind was good i think lesson learned um or maybe a little too patient. Um, you know, it's, it's, oh, what's the old saying? One in the hand is better than two in the tree. You know, yeah. we probably, probably should have taken that first shot when that first, first yoke presented itself instead of trying to get that pair. Um, that's a lesson learned. Uh, everything so far in those two hunts came in to the pup distress except the first pair Sunday. Yeah. Well, in the first and that same out East with the, the locator. So it's all been vocals of some sort. Yes. So yeah, no distress. So yeah, we were talking about that on the way home. We might just cut distress out. So I, I think they've got enough to eat around there that it's been a long time since I called anything in on some sort of, of uh, prey distress. Yeah. I think it's something they hear quite often. Um, I, I think the, the vocals, the vocals in the pup are probably something they don't hear as often. So it, it tends to bring them in a little faster. Um, let's see what else. I don't know. Yeah. Unless we learn from you. I think, I think we're getting it pretty well done. And like you would talk about, we're not, um, competition hunting, so we're not, We'll give it, I think we actually called some of them, cut some of them shorter than the first time out. First time out, I think we, some of our stands were 20, 30 minutes long. Yeah. Which sometimes they'll produce, but these ones, I think our longest stand was maybe 20 minutes total was the longest. But I used to hunt some uh, competitions and it was, you know, run and gun, a lot of driving, a lot of stands. And we would do 10, 15 minutes max and then move on. So we're taking our time, taking our time getting set up, not really, you know, trying to be quiet, getting in the stands, but not not hustling. Get ourselves set up, our tripod set up, call for 15 to 20 minutes. But yeah, I think next time we're out, we're going to we're going to get rid of the distress. Talk to one of the guys I haven't. He's listened to the podcast and I haven't got out to, to hunt with him yet. But he'll send me pictures. He he gets out, ends up killing five or six every time he goes out to some of his spots. And I'll hit him up using vocals. He uses a lot of prey distress. So I think it really comes down to where you're at. I think the majority of his coyotes, he's killing on some sort of rabbit distress or something. And I'm throwing all sorts of stuff at him. Rabbit. Um, there's a lot of pack rats out there. I've got a pack rat sound I threw at him a couple of times. Some birds. There's a, there's a lot of quail out there, actually. I threw some quail at them some of the time. Nothing. It's not getting us anything. Yeah, because that's that's what's funny is, um, oh, in between you and I going hunt, hunting, um, a friend of mine raises uh, ducks and chickens, and he's been having coyotes come in regularly, and they're getting very brave. Um, he lives kind of near a neighborhood, and so they're not necessarily scared of people. Um, 
and so they tend to come in pretty good. He's got electric fence around his pens and stuff, but uh, he asked if I, uh, you know, he knows I run a suppressor and he, do, he, he doesn't, um, doesn't own one. So he asked if I would be willing to come over at night and do some night hunting. Um, we didn't use any night vision gear. Uh, I used a green varmint light and he used, a, he used a white light spotlight. I mean, a handheld spotlight, white light. And again, nothing. We, we ran the vocals, the locator. He ran almost the exact same sequence as you, which was funny because I didn't tell him to run it. But uh, he ran the vocals, uh, locator, nothing. Uh, rabbit, nothing. And eventually I kind of looked over at him and I said, hey, you got a pup distress on that. And he said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll play that real quick. And as soon as he hit it, two came in and they were close. So they had been just sitting out there that whole time. And then we were at about the 20 minute mark when he finally played that and those two came in. So again, it was kind of that pup distress is what brought him in. So it was a little different. I thought that was kind of, kind of different that, you know, two different really parts of Kansas from the Flint Hills to near the Ninnescaw river here, south of town, south of Wichita, that they, they did that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder how many of them sit up out there. We don't see that. They're just kind of, you know, they're smart. You know, they're trying to figure us out just like we're trying to figure them out. But that, tell me that pup distress thing's been a killer here lately, the last couple of years. It seems like if they're around, they come in charging to that. But yeah, like we talked about, our next time out, we'll give we'll give them a couple of weeks, you know. And next time out, maybe we just do vocals, just straight vocals, and then go to the pup distress, go to another, you know, the pup vocals is at least where we're hunting at. Which we we got another spot we might have to have to try another guy that's told us to come out and give it a shot. He hunts coyotes too, but we'll have to try and get out there and get to his spot. He's got a big cattle ranch. Give it a shot in a different part of Kansas to see what they do. Just <clears throat> Back in Iowa, when we'd hunt them, the rabbit distress was about all you needed. If they were around, they were coming running into that. But I don't know. It's, it's kind of cool to hunt a hunt a hunter so it's make you think real challenge uh, oh one other thing i learned i set up that six creed like you've got and it's probably only going to be a 26 inch barrel for the rest of this season because that thing <laughs> oh my goodness it's long and heavy so i'll probably end up sending it out to to caleb at cj's precision rifle works the one that does my competition barrels and have him cut it down. In fact, I might see if he just got a shoulder barrel, but like you, it's a, uh, mine's a remage though, but it's got a barrel nut. So you gotta, it's not as easy. doesn't take too long, but it's still not as easy to set it up. I'd like to be able to take it off. If I get a shoulder barrel and just take it off and put it on, but probably send it out to Caleb and have him cut it down. Just, ooh, wait, that thing's ridiculous. But, oh, I got, I got a hacksaw, man. We just let's take it off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you got some. Uh, uh, we'll be able to thread it too. Yeah, <laughs> thread it up. We can we can do it. I'm sure. Well, if there's anybody that could do it, that's not a gunsmith. You 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 got some pretty cool irons in the fire. We'll have to get to that someday. Between your you're getting in there like uh, Mike and starting to do the 3D printing. Yep. You do the. Uh, casting you're doing some casting stuff so we'll have to get some get some of your other hobbies in here and see how they relate relate to precision rifle because you've been doing some of, a little bit of both yeah like relating to the precision rifle stuff so yep i've got another casting that that is 100 precision rifle related that i'm still working on um i i've, I've failed at it three times so we'll we can we can save that for future but we'll get there yeah. Yeah. We'll get that on there. I think I'm going to try and talk uh, Chris into coming on sometime too. Since we're starting back up, we did an end of the season, get you and Chris on and try to do a uh, new season and what we're looking forward to on one of the future episodes. But uh, what do you got for parting shots? Got any shout outs for anybody? Um, 
No, well, Kansas Arm Supply. Uh, Chris is Chris is always always there when when I need him. Um, and I really I haven't bought any new products, so I I haven't. Well, you you got a new call. In fact, we should have got it out. So I'm running a Fox Pro. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, you got a new call. How do you like it? What do you got? And how do you like it? I got an Icotech. Um, it is the Icotech. Oh, Saber. Um, it is their second to their high grade. Uh, it, it cannot play dual calls at the same time. It's only a single single sound at a time. Um, I've never really been one to play dual sounds, so it didn't bother me not to have it. I happened to stumble across it on sale, and so the price was almost irresistible. Um, I got a 10% uh, veterans discount. And then with it on selling everything, I picked it up for 210 bucks, nice. which is, yeah. Uh, I, I really like it. It sounds, it sounds great compared to what I've been using. I had an older Icotech. That's kind of where I started with that brand. Um, it just didn't have the volume. And then I bought a, a lucky duck rebel. Um, I really liked it sounded awesome um, it got me by but again it, it just didn't get very loud and a lot of the coyote hunting i do i do near my house um, i have 15 acres and i have nothing to the north of me um, just an open field so a lot of times just when i'm bored i'll go out there and, and call they they don't tend to den around here but they pass through a lot but i live I butted up against the paved road and you could not hear those calls, even 50 yards from me, you couldn't hear the calls over the traffic. So I wanted something louder. So I got the Icotech. Um, and it is, it is loud. I, I can't run it at full volume. So, and then I just run a little Primo's, uh, Primo's spinner, uh, decoy almost just like yours. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I don't know. I like the decoy. I think it gets their attention off of, everything else so yeah i got a little homemade setup when i got the decoy off to the side of my it's not a it my fox pros like i said it's a cs24 at the time i bought it it was a, a custom order i was in alaska and it was a custom order so it doesn't have a it's not like the new fox pros that has the decoy attached to the call so this is a separate decoy but it does have an auxiliary jack that i can turn it on and off with my remote and uh, it's it's been working me working for me. Um, if I was to get another one, I'd probably go with the Icotech or even the Lucky Duck, as uh, Rick's here in Kansas, kind of keep it local and buy one of his. But it's been working; hasn't been hasn't failed me yet. So other than takes I think twelve or thirteen batteries by the time I fill the call up and the decoy and my remote. So it it can chew up some batteries, but it doesn't. I use, batteries usually last me a year. I think I've last year I had to change them out, but I've been out quite a bit more last year than this year. But, but. yeah, I I probably I was I was planning on going upgrading the Lucky Duck to another Lucky Duck. Um, the the Icotech, the one that I bought, um, standard price is usually two ninety. So for you know another thirty forty bucks, um, fifty bucks at the most you're at a lucky duck, uh, revolt, which is awesome. Yeah, and I think that's your flagship. That was, yeah. yeah. That was just kind of my plan. And I just happened to happen to walk in, uh, actually it was Gander outdoors and I went there for an RV part and just <laughs> happened to walk, happened to walk through that area and they had it on clearance and on sale. And then I had a 10% discount anyway. So ended up buying it. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to, yeah. We'll have to get out and let, let you run it, run your call and we'll get some, get some blood on it. So. Sounds good. All right. What else? Um, yeah. Kansas Arms Fly, shout out. Caleb at CJ's Precision. I got to get my barrel out to him. I said, we're using Fox Pros and Icotechs. And nothing bad to say about them. It's been, been dropping first. So been working pretty well. Any last rounds? Nope. Good to go.
All right, Chad. Thanks, thanks for coming on. Like I said, we'll have to get back out there again. We'll do another episode. Try and get Chris out there with us. If we can steal him away for a little bit, he stays busy, but see if we can't get him out there with us. But all right, man, if you ain't got nothing else, I'll, I'll get you off here. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Chad. Thank you.